You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Andrei Sinkevich, the founder at Full Funnel. The reality is, and I'm just sharing my experience, in many organizations, SDRs, they have zero clue what are the jobs to be done of their target buyers. They all just know, okay, we help CFOs to solve this challenge. And that's it. Hello there, and welcome back to the Sassiest Podcast. Well, that really means that I think you have listened to this podcast before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. So what we do is that we are all about B2B SaaS. We are looking at how B2B SaaS scale-ups can be better in all kinds of ways. I think we say that in the intro, so maybe it's not we do. relevant for me to say it we again. Do. But Daniel, nice to see we you. Do. As always, we, we have do. a new episode in front of us. I know it's a subject that is close to your heart, right? It's sales related. Definitely. And I just want to say, Thomas, we do say it in the opening statement, but you know, the art of learning is via repetition. Yeah. So it's, it's good that you said it again. Yeah. And, and coming, uh, uh, looking ahead here at, at the episode we have in front of us here, it is a big profile in our space. If you at all have an interest in ABM, and building, you know, funnel, especially if you're selling uh, solutions that are higher ticket sizes, higher ACV, sophisticated and long sales cycles, you know of this guy and you probably implemented some of his tips and tricks. So we're really excited to have Andre on the show here and I'm looking forward to dig into some of his latest uh, ideas here on how the SDR model is dead. Absolutely. And before we dig into that, I mean, we are very privileged to be in your ears once in a while, but we are really looking forward to meet you face to face as well. And I mean, a fantastic opportunity to do that will be at SASIAS 2024, our big flagship event in Malmö, Sweden, that will be in April 16th and 17th. We have a fantastic roster of speakers. You should head over to SASIAS2024.com and check it out. Make sure to get your tickets. It's limited to 1200 people. And especially if you're not a B2B SaaS company, then you only have 10% of the ticket pool to buy from and they are running out quite fast here. And besides uh, all the speakers, we have a lot of networking opportunities. We have a party, you will get good food and drinks and we have different social activities as well. Everything from paddle to poker to uh, canal tour and um, what else do we have? Yoga, running... I mean, there's a lot of stuff and activities for you guys to engage with each other, to build meaningful relationships that you can, you know, take with you after the event in order to to drive your own professional career forward, to drive the business you're representing forward. That's really what Sassiest is all about. If we can help one person accelerate their individual growth and their company's growth, then we've done something right. Absolutely. And another thing we want to do right is to democratize knowledge about B2B SaaS. And now we're going to learn some more. Let's talk to Andre. 
Today we are super excited to have Andrei Sinkevich, the co-founder at FullFunnel.io. Here's a guest in the Sassiest podcast. Warm welcome, Andre. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Uh, it's great to have you here, uh, Andre. Like I've been a big fan of yours and following you, or maybe one could say stalking you around here on, on LinkedIn and in other social forums. Love your content. Love love how you share so generously with, with everyone. But if there's somebody listening to, to this episode and to our podcast that doesn't know you, how would you describe yourself? Who is Andre? Yeah, so I'm a B2B marketer, or let's say a B2B marketing veteran, you can call me that way, uh, because I have spent already 18 years in that space. Uh, started my career in sales, and after five years, switched to marketing because I always, uh, I always was curious, how can we drive revenue without pushing our customers, right? Without using sales techniques. So basically that curiosity um, initiated my transition from sales to marketing. I spent um, almost 10 years in the corporate world and then started my own consulting company. All right. And besides your professional sort of um, story here, what about your personal one? Where are you today? So I'm in Villarreal, Spain. You guys asked me behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny <laughs> story. I'm, uh, I just moved a few months ago uh, with my family because of my son who is playing football here. And <laughs> this is how, like you called me, a, cit- a citizen of Europe, right? So we've been traveling from Poland to Croatia, from Croatia to Spain because of, of football. And this is like the second part of my life. So if you'll ask me about my hobby i used to play i played as a kid until i was 17 uh also i didn't think that i would end up in marketing i was thinking about professional football career but yeah then to have injuries and then you need to switch your plans all right but now your son is in the beginning of a fantastic uh, adventure as well here and i know that daniel is very envious of uh, of this i am it sounds like he's living my dream you gotta tell us how does this happen? Like, you know, he's 17 year olds, your son, and you moved earlier because of his football career from Poland to Croatia and now from Croatia to Spain. But like, w- when you're at that age, like, how does it work? Who, who picks you up? And like, do they just call you as a parent and say like, hey, your kid is really good. We, you need to move here now. Uh, no, I think this is kind of, this is a big miss about professional football, to be honest. Uh, there are, of course, chances that, I mean, your kid could be super talented, right? And then he might be scouted by big academies. And this is all the success stories that we know. But in the real world, it works a little bit different, right? The, the majority of players, they could be, I mean, let's let's put it like this. A lot of folks just train for fun and are not dreaming to like to become a professional football player then you have a lot of good players maybe not super talented maybe not i mean in like it also depends on how we define a super talented person right but okay let's say maybe they are not uh moving the needle on the field so they are not scouted by top clubs right but they are good and they could become professional players right right so the reality is then uh it's like in business you need to focus on uh strengthening your yourself on working as a pro starting from the 
like relatively young age from uh, my consideration also based on the conversations with the coaches from let's say 12 13 they should start living as a professional athlete and uh, just working hard and uh, looking for looking for tryouts looking for opportunities so in our case we had a good relationship uh, with our friend who he was like an individual technique coach in Krakow for our son. And then he recommended that when he'll turn 14, we just need to move to, let's say, to more football country, if you want to put it, to, to call it that way, right? That's how we ended up uh, in Croatia. And from Croatia, aside from other circumstances, I just, uh, maybe if you'd like to to dig a little bit deeper i can tell you uh but generally speaking we were looking uh where else he can uh continue to grow so i was speaking to the same person to the same individual coach and he is now working a scout at Widza Vluch in poland in uh, polish extra class and he told that there is an opportunity in spain and you guys can come for tryouts so basically we went for several tryouts one was in italy with pescara culture and uh, then there was uh, this one here in Spain and uh, basically he came it's again it's just the relationship because he's uh he's a scout responsible for spanish market a lot of actually a lot of uh, spanish football players are playing now in poland and this is the like this is how polish football clubs are making money which is a good story so they're coming here they are looking for third four fourth and even fifth league so these lower leagues right right where they can find really good players for very cheap price then they basically sign a transfer and move these folks to poland and in one season these people i mean these players they become uh always <laughs> nominated for the top players it's just the case that i'm seeing in poland every single year and then they sell it they then they sell these players for millions again to other more stronger championships good business model <laughs> yeah absolutely all right, so we're going to move over to other kinds of business again. Thank you for sharing uh, your story and best of luck to, to your son. Uh, but looking at Full Funnel, what, what do you guys do? So uh, we do, if in simple words, we do uh, account-based marketing consultancy, right? Uh, but generally speaking, we help companies to solve several go-to-market challenges. The first one is developing a cohesive marketing and sales model where both teams stop working in silos uh, in silos sorry and develop joint playbooks to drive revenues through generating new logos and through expansion right with existing clients the second one is helping uh, plg companies or smb comp companies that used to sell to smb to go up market and start selling to enterprises right because you need another skill set. You need to understand the complexity of selling to big accounts, to enterprises. And generally speaking, these are two biggest challenges that we are solving for these companies. All right. So is there any particular type of companies that uh, you help? Any 
sizes or verticals and so that you specialize on? Yeah, I will give you a pretty good understanding of our ideal customer profile. So we work with B2B tech companies and by tech, I mean uh, service-based and product-based companies that sell high ACV product. By high ACV, I mean, let's say, starting from 30K average deal size and uh, companies that have long sales cycle, not just because they create a lot of friction in their product but this is not uh, this is just the reality uh they need to it it takes a lot of time to generate demand and get buy-in from the buying committee of their target accounts and long sales cycles i mean starting from uh six seven months and more okay all right thank you okay uh, and i think we're going to dig into a topic that is, is going to have many people sitting on their edge of the seats here uh, not too long ago, you, you had a post on LinkedIn where you said, that's it, people. The old SDR model is dead. No more. <laughs> there, there, there's a new method in town and you should use this instead. So I have to ask you, uh, as somebody that built a career based on the old SDR model and revenue teams, like, what do you mean by the SDR model is dead? And, and why is that in your opinion? Yeah, I will give you an idea. So what uh, I'm talking about, and obviously I'm, I'm whenever I post something, I mentioned that I'm talking about our space, right? So I'm not talking about, let's say, commerce, B2C or low ticket SaaS product, right? right. Uh, because that could be different. And I just want to make it clear. If you are selling, let's say, Netflix subscription, you are selling mass market product of $5 CRM, right? Maybe you can spam everybody and say, hey, you know, it's $5 CRM, it's just no brainer try it or whatever that's that's one story and i just don't want to talk about it i'm talking about our product right and i just share it with you our icp the problem is uh, let's talk first of all about the problem all our clients and companies similar to our clients deal with right yeah they have a lot of companies they that potentially fits their ideal customer profile that are even not aware of the challenge that's this product solves, right? So, which means by default, if you use an old or obsolete SDR model, which is, let's let's describe it first, right? You define a product pharmacographics criteria. Let's say I want to sell to all banks located in Nordics, right? Right, or whatever, to all financial organizations. We serve all financial organizations. Then you end up with a big list of banks, insurance, insurance companies, right, and all other financial companies. Now, uh, how the obsolete playbook? works. Basically, the company creates a universal script or pitch for SDR, right? And this SDR is supposed to send a bunch of emails, LinkedIn emails, and then do a cold call and saying, hey, this is what we do. This is what our product, like, let's say we help fintech companies to achieve this and that was our product. I had the right person to talk to, right? And that's it. But again, coming back to the reality, the problem is that first, a lot of companies are simply not aware of the challenge, right? That this product solves. That's that's the first most common situation. The second one, uh, remember about remember or just think about your last expensive purchase, whatever it was, real estate, car, whatever it was, right? Just think about how much did did you buy it from somebody who just sent you a cold email or cold 
or did a cold call? No. Right? Probably no. Right? You spent a lot of time researching, right? Maybe if it was car, maybe you just research a lot of uh, YouTube reviews, right? Maybe just looking at forums, what people are saying, talking to your peers, right? Collecting information, then just comparing different models and adjusting it to your budget, right? Then looking at different, uh, maybe, specifications of these cars, then negotiating with several vendors who might suggest you a best deal, etc, etc, right? And there are a lot of touch points that like, and this is really essential to recognize and accept, right? There were a lot of touch points uh, that influenced your decision before you spoke to any vendor. Right. Right. Before you came to the dealer, and that's this is the, so the the same happening in our space in complex B two B. Like these buyers. So first of all, even if they are aware of the challenge, right, they might start collecting a lot of information. What would be the best way to solve this challenge? Right. Uh, how to fit it in our budget? What our what are potential solutions? Who are the best vendors? Etc. 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 Right, which means that if like if we just rely on the obsolete cold calling, we simply miss these accounts. Right, the only one way how can we attract attention of these people is uh, that th there are several things, and this is what I mentioned in the past. So first of all, you start proactively connecting with these people to grow your network. Right to kind of connect with them. And one of your first goals would be progressive profiling, understanding where this account and this buying committee members are in their buyer journey, right? Are they actively looking for a solution or are they even not aware of the problem that your product solves? That's the first thing. And how do I find that out? Uh, there are multiple ways how you can do it. It's just a simple idea. Uh, Look, you, uh, uh, I, I would give you even today's example, right? So you invited me to the podcast and we are chatting about anything. And then you can ask, I don't know, like, let's say you want to invite me to join your community, for example, right? And then you can just simply ask, hey, are you a member of any paid communities where you meet, where you talk to founders or let's say executives of SaaS businesses, right? So first of all, you understand where am I, right? And then for you, why it's important? Because you need to understand, uh, should you be, let's say, switching me from another community to yours, right? Or should I, or I'm not part of any communities? And then for you, the question would be why? Do you think it's not useful for your business or there is any other reason? Or maybe you're not aware of, maybe I can tell you I'm not aware of any good communities, right? And that's, that's, that's the thing. The same happening here, right? How can you understand it? Uh, First of all, there is one thing that every SDR should be in charge of doing account research, which basically means doing a homework before reaching out, right? So let's say I'm reaching out to that account and I could say, by the way, guys, you are uh, like, for example, you announced that you are going to work on this and that, or you announced the losses. Were these losses caused by, let's say, currency fluctuations? I'm just thinking about of our clients, right? Or something else caused these losses, right? Right. Uh, whatever. 
that's that could be a good part i'm not saying that everybody is going to reply obviously it's just not like a silver bullet right <laughs> but if they are not going to reply to that question what are the chances that they would reply to your pitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> right so that's 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 the that's the first thing the second one i mentioned right that sdrs in like in 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 a real world, they should be a part of uh, the demand generation program, or at least uh, a part of the third leadership. Why? Because the reality is that nobody is willing to hang out with SDRs. Nobody is looking for one more message. Hey, I just want to book a 15, de 15 minutes demo call with you. People, I mean, I'm generalizing a little bit right now, but generally speaking, Whenever people see a message from unknown SDR or BDM, business development manager, they immediately ignore it because they know that's what coming next is just the pitch. Hey, let's have a demo, right? We do this and that. Let's have a demo. Nobody's willing to hang out with SDRs, but it's completely different when SDR is repositioned to a trusted advisor. Right? That's completely different when that person seems to be an expert in a specific space. And a lot of people, they misunderstand the thought leadership concept here. They think, okay, I probably need to become a new Justin Welsh with like hundreds of thousands of followers, right? No, it's just like, be, it's just being recognizable by your target accounts, by your brand committee members. I'm always saying for me, like even if we'll talk about this episode, for me, I would like I, I, I would be super happy if 10 VP of marketing of companies similar to our ICP would listen to this episode and would do something, right? Yeah. With the information that they would collect instead of thousands of random downloads, etc. Yeah. That's the truth. So you change the KPIs here, right? And uh, that's really important. So the same in, is in thought, leader, in, in thought leadership, right? So we reposition these sales reps and I'm not saying it just depends on your team setup. Some sales reps can create content by themselves, some of them can repurpose the existing content, or you can build workflows, specific demand generation workflows where marketing or content team supplies uh, these uh, sales with these folks. And why it's important? Because then you can initiate any conversation. For example, I could reach out to you guys and say, hey guys, uh, for example, I just, uh, I know you have a lot of sales folks in your network and in your community, right? Or you have a lot of founders and Nordics. And I just recently wrote a post about like the old SDR model, right? Yeah. And the way how SDR should work. Do you think it would be beneficial for people in your, like what, what, what do founders in your network talk about? that topic right yeah. do you think it would be interesting and you see so that's completely different and that's a part of progressive profiling so first of all i collect insights about your community imagine so let's say we are as a vendor we want to partner with you so i would potentially be interested right what are the conversations that are happening in your community so and then i could just simply drop a link to that post right to attract your attention mm. so what i'm doing here so first of all first of all i'm attracting your attention right second one is that somehow i'm changing the perception that i'm not an sdr who is going to pitch you but a person who knows his stuff and knows what uh, he or her 
is talking about, right? And that changes completely the story, the entire relationship with these accounts because there are a lot of conversations. If you open LinkedIn right now, you'll see from every corner, you need to build relationship with your buyers, right? Yeah. But how exactly? That's that's the question, right? Yeah. I need to go in here and ask you a question because you mentioned that an SDR should instead take the role of the trusted advisor mm-hmm. and so on. But I mean, does this mean that you as an SDR should sort of go in a stealth mode on LinkedIn? Because, I mean, if it says that you are SDR at the company, you know what that person wants, right, when they reach out to you. Yeah. And I guess you can't put trusted advisor in the title. So how should you position yourself in order to sort of be able to navigate LinkedIn in a better way. But that's exactly, it's not limited to LinkedIn. It would be your email signature. If you are going to flying events, it's how are you going to present yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you say that as an SDR and focus on the ABM, you should yes, connect yes. with a lot of st- stakeholders and so on and try to initiate, give value to them. But if I see that an SDR is, is sort of connecting with me, no matter what sort of um, strategy and so, I will still see that this is an SDR and I, I probably know what this, um, I don't know, outsourcing company uh, (laughs) or after, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I wanted to say that it's not limited to LinkedIn only because you'll be connecting on other platforms. And the point is that you start, uh, you need to remove that, let's say, infamous title SDR BDM from from your headline, from your title and from your role. So there's a lot of, it's just uh, uh, to answer your question, every company should first of all ask themselves, how do we want to be perceived? How our people should be perceived, right? And in most cases, okay, let's uh, imagine that we are selling now like 50K software, right? So it's Anyhow, do we want it or no? It's a consultative sales, right? It's not just transactional sales. Hey, sign up for a free trial or just create your account and start using your CRM. In most cases, there are even if it's software, even if it's a product, there would be multiple steps, right? You do discovery. You need to understand what are the needs of that account, right? Then you, first of all, build a proof of concept, mapping out the features, which means... Where am I going with this? That all your SDRs should be consultants first. Yeah, but but then, I mean, do you need to hire totally other people for these services? And, and I mean, this sounds like um, a more advanced role. And, and then I guess you need to pay them more as well and maybe have other targets. It's not based maybe how many demo meetings you uh, you sign up or so. Correct. And that's that's the second difference, changing the KPIs. Because for in the obsolete model, it's all about demo meetings, leads, whatever they call it, right? You just have this you have your KPIs as dials, called emails, etc. But again, it doesn't work that way. And if, I mean, everybody can just, uh, I, I always recommend to do a few things. Take a sober look at your outbound outcomes. And here is the problem. A lot of B2B companies, they don't have a good data here. So they just have the lead or they could just present the, oh, we generated opportunities, right? Or we generated 40 opportunities from cold calling. Okay. But what was your account to opportunity ratio? That's the first thing. The second one, what was your show up rate? What is your pin rate, right? How long does it take to to close these accounts? What is the ACV? And so you need to look how 
holistically, right? Yeah. At this, not just saying that it, it, it works. So that's the first thing. The second one, you're absolutely right. You need to, it's uh, a lot of companies, they hire SDRs because of this. It's, it's how they think about scaling, right? The more people that we will have, the more KPIs we can put, basically the more accounts they can reach out to. In that case, it, it should, you, you shouldn't think that way. Mm. So first of all, you should, you sh- should start thinking about the capacity per sales rep with how many target accounts that person would be able to engage with. And that requires another change in the mindset. You need to have a very well-defined, narrow, ideal customer profile. So it's not uh, it's not anymore, let's say, all financial organizations from Nordics, but you do analysis. I would just give you a very brief description of how to think about it, right? So you do analysis. Uh, first of all, you define, your team should be focused, right? If you are selling to multiple verticals, one sales rep, SDR, whatever we'll call it, uh, that person should focus on one vertical. Different verticals have different reasons to buy your product, different, let's say, jobs to be done. So different value propositions and different messaging should be applied to these verticals. You start with analysis of your top 10 best customers at top 10 fastest deals. Why? Because we want to replicate our best customers. That's the first thing. The second step here is analyzing your top 10 lost deals. Why did we lose them? them what are the reasons because based you need to look at commonalities of these accounts right and define disqualification criteria that's really important because the first gives you an idea how to leverage qualification criteria and build a list of accounts that are likely to buy right and the second one is disqualification removing accounts that are actually will never buy from you that's essential next and this this is basically the joint work for marketing and sales right next step is um defining the criteria to prioritize these accounts because even if you'll apply this qualification and disqualification you can still end up with a lot of companies right what are other criteria that might tell us that this account is likely to buy from us and that's why i mentioned you need to understand that there is an active focus list and future pipeline future pipeline these are the accounts that fit your icp right fit this uh, narrow or strict qualification and disqualification criteria but they are not aware of your product or they have low engagement and you, you just need to do what we have discussed before, right? Doing all this relationship building. While active focus, these are the accounts that demonstrated some decent level of engagement with your company. Maybe they signed up for your product webinar, they visited high intent web pages like pricing, book a demo, etc. And you see that in the last 60 days there were several repetitive visits, which means that probably it's the vendor evaluation stage, right? Or short listing. They are thinking about your product. So you need to define it, you need to discuss with it should be discussion on the organizational level, right? right. What are the important signs for us to define companies that are likely to buy and based on this now next step is evaluating the revenue potential because in the old model they're just calling all the companies the kpi is dials etc right in this case we start looking at the revenue potential of that account are we hunting antelope or are we hunting hunting sorry field mice right so what how much accounts can we prospect in a meaningful way what is the potential value of all of these accounts and also we need to understand that 
that in depending on companies that we are targeting, we are not selling to one person, right? Not to one decision maker. The bigger is the organization, the more people would be in the buying committee, right? And which means that SDR, that sales rep, needs to engage with all these people. Based on this, you start planning how many accounts you can target. So this is the essence. This is how it changes. Now, to answer your second question, it obviously requires, and this is really this is really important. All these people should be product certified, mm -hmm. which means that should be a part of your onboarding process, right? When they join your company, they must know your product. They must know the product value. They need to understand their ICP. They need to understand these people inside the buying committee group. They need to understand their buyer journey, right? They need to understand their jobs to be done. They need to understand what, what value our product delivers, what challenges we solve for these specific people, right? And what content can attract the attention of these people. Yep. The reality is, and I'm just sharing my experience, in many organizations, SDRs, they have zero clue what are the jobs to be done of their target buyers. They all just know, okay, we, solved, we help CFOs to solve this challenge. And that's it. Right. But then... What they're actually doing, and let's talk about the reality, right? All they're doing, they're trying to book these calls and then just, okay, now it's account executive turn. In this case, it's not, I mean, it's what you, Thomas, said. Like, especially if you are selling to conservative markets, to developers, let's say, mm. cybersecurity managers, uh, CFOs, you know, financial managers, etc. right? These people, they immediately recognize incompetence. They don't want to talk to a person who doesn't understand their needs, their goals, etc. They understand that basically even if they would, let's say, reply to that pitch, right? Okay, let's have a demo. Yeah. Next, they won't have a consultative sales. They would go through a band questionnaire. They would be qualified, right? And then, ah, oh, no, so I'm not going to answer your questions. I have no idea. I would transfer. You are qualified now. You'll talk to my account executive now. Are you tired of communicating with prospects through PDFs and slide decks that get lost in long email threads? Get Accept's digital sales firm and powers revenue teams to increase their win rate by engaging and understanding buyers from opportunity to sign deal. A microsite easily shareable to all stakeholders by a link. We can share sales content and quotes and communicate to get the contract signed. A collaborative buyer experience that wins the deal. We call it a digital sales firm. Let's face it, and you've probably seen this as well. Uh, most of the SaaS companies out there, like successful ones and also the ones that are maybe not as successful, they, they have the old setup of the SDR function like you described. And this new setup that I, I don't know if you coined the term here, account-based sales reps, or if it's already existed for a long time. But my question to you is that if there's anybody here listening to this and they have, quote unquote, the old SDR setup and now want to move to this new setup that you're suggesting, how does that transition happen in practice? What needs to be done? Yeah, so that's a fantastic question. The first thing that you, even if you decide to make that transformation, right? First of all, you need to understand, you need to answer on the organizational level, why are we going to do this, right? And who should be a part of this? 
VP of Sales or CRO, right? CEO and VP of Marketing or Head of Marketing. These three people should sit down together and start. First of all, as I mentioned, they need to take a sober look at their outbound numbers, right? So how does it work? And why it's not working. So that's the first thing that, first of all, the first step would be accepting the the problem, right? The second one is also uh, analyzing the lost deals, right? Let's say if your win rate is 10% or 15%, so you're losing most of your opportunities, right? What are the reasons? And you can uh, can involve other salespeople, you can do the CRM analysis, you'll see a lot of things that are coming. Maybe we are losing on the brand level, we are losing on price and we are losing on a lot of things which means that we are not well aware uh, right or, or like our target is not well well aware of our product of our value proposition etc 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 so th- first of all having frank conversation about the challenges and the second step is how can we solve it now the worst thing that you can do is uh like gathering everybody in the room or in the virtual room and saying, okay, from this day, we are going to shift to a new model. No way. It won't work. Uh, The only one way how you can turn it, uh, let's say turn odds into your favor is starting a small scoped pilot. I'm always saying this. It's you just print one SDR and one marketer start working together. Mm -hmm. You define this new model for them. You define the playbook. The playbook is what exactly they are going to do, right? And how they are going to do it. Next, you set up leading indicators or KPIs, the same like you do for cold calling or cold email. And here it would be how many conversations you were able to initiate, right? How many personalized connection requests did you send, etc., etc., right? How many meaningful comments you left to the threads or to the conversations of your target accounts, right? These things. So next one would be expectations. What do we expect out of that activity because uh, again the worst thing here is comparing it to the outbound motion that you were running for years right let's say you were doing this cold email and cold coiling for last five six seven year, years and you have some data right and here you, you are starting something new is it is it is it even normal to compare something that you are doing for one month or two months to something that you were doing and you, all your organization were doing for seven months? Obviously no, right? right? So if you have long sales cycle, you need to have these expectations. What would be a positive signal meaning this program works? Maybe like how many conversations we were able to start with CFOs and doing this progressive profiling, collecting the insights where they are in their buyer journey, right? Uh, or whatever what maybe do they have an eaten in our product etc so this this would be the most important things right so you adjust the kpis yeah. and if that works the next step is define the timeline for that pilot program right uh, for like as a rule of thumb i'm saying it should be at least one quarter but again it 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 really depends on the company company's uh, setup right current setup so the next step is that at the end of that uh, pilot everybody should come up uh, i mean that pilot team should come up to the rest of the team and present the processes and the outcomes here's what we were doing here are the results that we received so far and here what we had before right 
So this is the only way. People don't buy the philosophy. And no executive would buy a like, theoretical idea, let's do demand generation, let's do ABM or whatever. People buy figures and results. So that's the only way. You come up, you present, this is what we have done, this is how it worked. We want to scale it up in our organization. Yeah, so listening to this, it makes me think of, of many different things. But one question I had for you, traditionally, if we go back to the traditional SDR, mm -hmm. they've sat within the sales department so to say yes and now if we move over to this new exercise it sounds like it might not be the best place for them to live maybe it is a marketing discipline where they need to live under and uh, uh, look you, what you have just described you just described silent functions here is sales, here is marketing, right? What we did with you beforehand, uh, b before we started this podcast, we spoke about football, right? But imagine any football team, any great football team, Real, Barcelona, Manchester City, where they would have isolated functions. Here are defenders, here are midfielders, and here are forwards, right? Imagine if Haaland in Man City would play without Kyle Walker or De Bruyne, right? No way that team would be winning. So he, oh, a good example, Ronaldo in Portugal team, right? He, he wasn't able to drive the entire team to win the championship. So that's the story. The same is here. We have one revenue team. And again, that should be done on the organizational level. The mindset should be shifted. Marketing and sales, these are not silent functions. They work together. And uh, to give you a simple example, uh, whom they should report to, they should report to, to the revenue officer, right? That's my, that's my idea. That's my philosophy. Uh, why? Because again, we have a list of accounts. Let's say whatever we have 10, we define these 10 accounts, right? The next step is defining this joint playbook. What I am as a sales rep should be doing with these accounts and what I as a marketing manager should do, right? What collateral should I create? What content should I create? Maybe I should prepare a specific webinar based on this specific topic, right? Maybe I need to prepare this specific set of ads and run uh, these ads to these accounts, etc., 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 right? Maybe I need help sales with uh, to create a specific niche case study that is covering this specific challenge. Right. But that collaboration helps happens only when these two people sit down together and start doing account planning. We have these accounts, how can we generate opportunities with these accounts? Yeah, so th this has been very inspiring and in insightful. So if we just could try to summarize it, three tips for companies that want to do this transition in into this new way of working with their SDRs, what, what would you say that would be? Uh, so the first one is <laughs> the organizational mindset shift, right? That instead of leads, we, uh, we have two groups of accounts. We have future pipeline and the KPI for this group would be building relationship and progressive profiling, understanding where they are in the buying journey in order to generate opportunity in the future, right? And the second one is active list where we sit down together with marketing and start uh, doing a joint planning. How can we generate the opportunities with these people? Second one is that uh, we change the role of SDRs from people who are focusing on leads, demos, etc. Right? Uh, 
we reposition them as trusted advisors. We define different KPIs, and these KPIs would be different for active list, where the the real KPI would be sales opportunities, right? While for future pipeline, that would be conversations. And uh, we turn uh, the third one would be reposition all sales reps from just one more SDR, right? Or just yet another SDR to trusted advisors, to consultants in that specific space that are product, product certified, that know well the ICP and can run. I'm not talking now consultative sales, consultative conversation. They know what questions to ask. They know when they get a reply, they don't need to call their subject matter expert and ask, hey, how should I reply to that message to proceed with the conversation? They know how to proceed with the conversation. So this would be three major recommendations. Super, thank you for that. And I mean, we have a great community listening to these episodes is there anything particular that um, you're looking for right now um we're actually running uh, every year we are running full final summit uh, so this year will be and it's free to attend so it's virtual summit for all companies like i have described com- B2B tech companies with long sales cycles and this year we're going to host it the last week of March. So everybody from your community is very welcome to join us. Check that out and follow Andre and, and Full Funnel if you want to keep up to date on that. And and lastly here, is there anyone that you think we should try to get on the show or any topic that um, would be interesting, you think, for, for you and our listeners to dig a little bit deeper into? Well, I love to hear the transformational stories i love to learn from founders from let's say revenue leaders vp of marketing vp of sales how they did this transitioning from let's say lead generation or obsolete models to uh i would call it to a normal way of doing marketing and sales doing it that way how the customers are actually buying so (laughs) all these conversations i i love to listen to okay do you have a good example is there a company that you've seen or had an opportunity to work with that you feel like holy smokes they did this really well well uh outside let's say outside of our clientele i would say that cognism last year did a fantastic job and i'm connected to all the marketing leadership team and also to the advisors yeah. <laughs> so these guys did a fantastic job uh uh, from our clients, if you would be interested, let's say non-Martech vendors, yes, then I can recommend you a few companies that uh, did it did it really well. Okay, all right, cool, cool. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, this was very insightful, and uh, let's see now. Uh, don't blame us if your LinkedIn profile and messaging gets bombarded by everybody wanting to move from the old SDR uh, model to the new world. So. Keep, keep us uh, updated to what's happening in your inbox. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah. And thank you for being on the show. Hope to see you soon again. And uh, yeah, have, have a great day and good luck to your son in Villarreal. Thank you so much. Take care now. Bye. Bye. So, Daniel, what's your takeaways from this episode? Phew. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of happy I don't run a revenue team. Uh, <laughs> anymore in a, in a SaaS company although I must I must admit that you know I miss sometimes the action you know the end of quarters especially the Q4 frenzies I miss that a little bit but no all, all jokes aside I think Andre uh, really you know did a good job here emphasizing what we probably all seeing 
the traditional whale of you know spray and pray and having the SDRs just shoot left and right and hope that it works out, it doesn't work out anymore. It used to work, but there's you know just too much communication out there, too many sales proposition coming in in everybody's email inbox that are not targeted enough, and you won't stand out. So I think he is absolutely right when he says that you know you got to be a lot more targeted and you got to be a lot more say uh, a trusted advisor to your customers when you reach out to them and and we start to see that also in in our forum in our channels like everybody's trying to build trust and so on now I have a firm opinion on how you build trust but I think the trend that he's talking about it's it's here to stay it's not just something that's going to be like oh it's a cool thing now no there's way too much going on in everybody's inbox you got to be much more sophisticated in your outreach and, and the way Andre described it I feel personally is the right way to do it what about you Thomas well I think it sounds uh, much more interesting and rewarding being an ABSR and the general SDR role but I also think this is something that you need to think about when you recruit people when you train people you you got to give these people the right support in order to do this uh, in a good way um, but I think I mean if you can be relevant if you can create content if you can interact with prospects in um, in a valuable way uh, it seems that it, it gives great results and um, looking forward to hear more from uh, the SaaS companies in our co- community uh, if they succeed with this or if there are some hurdles that uh, maybe we should dig a little bit deeper into but uh, very inspiring yeah definitely and I, I also Thomas I think that's a great point that you're bringing forward here is like you got to think about what you hire and you got to th- think about how you enable them. And there was one thing that uh, particularly stood out and you reminded me here now when you talked about it, when Andre talked about how many of your SDRs know the jobs to be done yeah. for the people you're selling into. Like many people know like, okay, here, here's our pitch, here's, here's what we're pushing. But do you really know what they're buying your product for like because you know it, it's it's a it's a hire to solve a job yeah you're not buying a product per se so you know really good point there that i'm going to take with me <laughs> good and a lot of exciting things is happening here in the spring in the sassist community besides uh, our sassist conference here coming up in april there is also meetups going on at this point. I don't know the exact dates, but in order to make sure that you don't miss anything, you should uh, subscribe to our newsletter. You can head over to sassiest.com under community. You can sign up there and you can also join the Slack community if you work for a B2B SaaS company. And don't miss to follow us on LinkedIn either. That's also a good way of staying up to date. So with that, thank you for listening and hope to see you soon. Ciao. Today, we are super excited to have Andrei Zinkevich, the co-founder at Fun Fun. Fun Fun, I fun like funnel. that. Your name should be Fun Funnel, that's much better. <laughs> fun Funnel, I think that's that's a good idea. Okay. <laughs> I will share with him today. I, I, see we, I, I see we're already producing bloopers, this is going to be great. So here we go again. <laughs>